0: for Junior Church. I would encourage you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy. We're going to look at the the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2 uh, at an appropriate time, but uh, we'll we'll get there. This morning I have done uh, what I do every year. I have specific sermons that I are subjects that I teach on during the year, abortion being one of them in January, for example, and usually around this time somewhere, I teach a sermon, preach a sermon on our responsibility as citizens. Uh, It wouldn't matter what country we're in, but uh, every country has citizens, and citizens have responsibilities and privileges, and so this morning, we're going to talk about how should we vote? Notice what I said and what I didn't say. I didn't say, who should you vote for? That's not what I'm going to do. You may vote different than I do, but here's what I'm going to tell you is that if you have the privilege of having influence in our government, you should avail yourself of that. So it's not who should I vote for, but how should I vote? What are the things that I should keep in mind as I vote? God has given three institutions to this world the family and individuals putting those together the church and government each one of them has a specific jurisdiction they have specific responsibilities and they have a specific authority they also each overlap the other with influence All of them ultimately are given by God because He is the one that gives all of them. And there is overlap. Without a doubt, there's overlap. No one should ever try to take over the other jurisdiction or the other authority because God gave them for our good and for His glory. All of those things are true. I've lived long enough now to see these things being mixed up and messed up over and over again. I've seen Christians try to put together a coalition that we're going to take over the government. They called it the moral majority. I think that was like 30, 40 years ago. It was before I was a pastor. Uh, And that landed up being a bad idea because they're like, we're going to take our principles and we're going to make them in the government. As somebody said way back then, if you lie down with dogs, you're going to wake up with fleas. Uh, I'm not calling politicians dogs, by the way, just in case somebody goes out here and say I did that. I'm just saying, you know what, two totally different authorities, two spears of influence, and two spears of jurisdiction that goes on. I've also seen the government try to take over our families, trying to tell us that they own our kids, and they're going to tell us what to do with our kids and what we can do and what we can't do. That is not their responsibility. I've also seen, and you've seen it, it's happening right as we speak, where people say, you know what, I may be in the United States, but I don't have to go by the rules of the United States. I'm a sovereign citizen, and I'm going to do whatever I want. By the way, the end result of that is called anarchy. There's also families that uh, believe the government should provide everything for them. That's called socialism. The Bible doesn't teach that. It teaches personal responsibility. So anytime you mess up these different entities, jurisdictions, authorities, I'm going to use those words interchangeably, you will have something God did not design. And so if you want chaos just mix and match. Just try to put the wrong thing at the wrong place. I've made a concerted effort in my life to make sure that I am cooperative with those in authority. I like to work with families. Every family is a little bit different. As a pastor, work with families differently. I like to be involved in knowing who our police officers are, for example, in our community. Peter and Jacob and I, we went to visit the police chief the other week, got to know him a little bit. I did that before when we were opening the church. I went and checked in to make sure that we're working on the same page. You see, we have different roles, different authority, but we also, because God gave them all, we are to cooperate. And we operate separately and many times in tension one with the other. I don't always like what church does. I don't always like what the government does. (laughs) Government doesn't always like what I do. You know what? That's okay. Because in the end, there's authority and there's influence. That's about the voting. You have something that a lot of people in the world would give the right arm for, and that is you have a very distinct ability to have influence in your government. So that's it. So what are these three entities? What are they like? Well, first of all, there's family and individuals. I put those together because they work together. They have the power of relationship. Think about that. The most intimate of relationships, husband and wife, parents and children. They have the responsibility to teach, nurture, and discipline their children. That was not given to the church, nor was it given to the government. It was given to families. They have, according to the book of Proverbs, the power of the rod to discipline their children as they see fit. They also have the, they are the primary unit of all society. If families aren't doing what they're supposed to do, guess what? The church is hurt greatly are made up of families. If families are not strong, the government falters because the government only functions well when people in families are functioning well. And part of the problem is family has uh, not done what they're supposed to do, and then the government has to step in. I mean, think about the neglect and the abuse that happens to children and the domestic calls that our police officers have to go to because husbands and wives are clawing each other's eyeballs out. I've been there. It's not a pretty sight. The church has the power of the gospel, the keys to the kingdom, according to Matthew chapter 16. It is the spiritual hub of society. And then there's government the state. It has the power of the sword according to Romans chapter 13. It is that overwhelming uh, part that our uh, entity that God gave that makes what we live in a civilization. It makes it possible for diverse groups of people and families and churches and individuals to work together as a society it brings civilization. It is what brings order to this world that's full of sin and a whole lot of other bad things. But let's go back and look at each one of these separately. First of all, we're going to look at God himself. In our constitution, it says something like this, that the the power of the government comes from the governed. That's not a biblical statement, folks. God gave government, not the people. Now we have the privilege in our form of government that we can do some of those things, but that ultimate statement is not a true statement. God gave government. In fact is, He gave government because people sinned. Think about it this way: family was given, individuals were created, and family was given and the idea of raising children was given. In the first two chapters of the Bible, he created man and wife. He said, be fruitful and multiply. He brought them together and said, the two shall become one flesh. He created marriage. He created family. Before sin even entered into the world. It's the primary. He brought in government when people extremely evil. He said that the thoughts and intents of the heart were continually evil and he brought the flood and afterwards he said, you know what, I'm going to bring in something to curtail this kind of wickedness. And so in Genesis chapter 9, he said, capital punishment is in because if you wantonly, premeditatedly, take someone else's life, you will be forfeiting your own life. Then eventually he brought in the church to glorify his name and to be that moral and ethical and religious authority that has a standard that's way higher than any government standard ever could be. But remember, God is the one that gave all these entities. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 17, your turn there. It says, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God to be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, God is the eternal king. He is the only one with authority to rule and reign, and he answers to no one but himself. He acts according to his nature and character. He is above everything else, and everything we have from our life to all the institutions in this world, all came from God, including government. They're his idea. He is never subject to a higher authority. There is no court of appeals when we violate God's rule. He is king eternal above and beyond all other institutions. His rule is either accepted or rejected. It is not possible to be neutral about what God says. If God says something, you either accept it or you reject it. You can't say, I don't really know. That's not a possibility. You either agree that God is right, or you disagree with him. He is the final authority, and he rules over every sphere of authority. He rules over every inch of territory, every human life, every endeavor. He rules all over it, but he doesn't rule exactly the same in every one. He doesn't have the same rules for family as he does for government or for the church. Each one of them is different. We need to understand that. Working separately, intention, but cooperatively. We need to work together. Why? Because they were all given by God for our good and his glory. That's the bottom line. So, when you think about all of those things. Now, what is true of all these institutions? We looked at that God gave them all, and they're for His glory and our good. But in regard to all of these institutions that God has given, if you believe that one institution has the right to monopolize another, think again. The family doesn't control government. The government doesn't control the church. The church doesn't control government. It, it doesn't work that way. We are separate entities. God made it that way. There is overlap. If you believe that one institution is dispensable, that means you could do away with one of them. <laughs> right now, a lot of people are like, if we got rid of government, everything would be good. Uh, it wouldn't. You'd have chaos and anarchy. Look at a few cities right now and find out what it looks like when there's anarchy. It doesn't paint a pretty picture. It's chaos. But the point is, God uses them all. If you think one institution can substitute for another institution, think again. I don't want the government raising my children. I don't want the government telling me what to do as a pastor and us to do as a church and what our ministry is and what we should believe and how we should act. I don't want that. You know what? It works in all those directions. Every one of these institutions fails. And they fail miserably. The church has failed. We have failed. Not necessarily just Garden Chapel. I mean, the church as a whole. Use the biggest term you can think of, church or religion. We failed. We have failed to be salt and light to a dark, dreary, sinful world that absolutely needs to see a higher standard. They need to see us lead the way instead of stumbling along afterwards. We need to see, as I already said, that these institutions work in tension, separately. But they need to cooperate for the whole picture. In 1 Samuel chapter 12 verse 14 is one of my favorite verses when it comes to dealing with individual responsibility in government. Israel had just said, we don't want God to be our king, we want a king, and they called for Saul. Saul was not God's first choice, that would have been David, but God said, okay, I'll give you a king, but here's what's going to happen. He said, if you, this is uh, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 14, if you will fear the Lord, talking to individual people, and serve him and listen to his voice and not rebel against the command of the Lord, then both you, that's the people, and also the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. If we as individual Christians, as individual citizens are doing what God asks us to do, and we're following the Lord, we will have an impact. We will have an influence. One of those is voting. That's that's a biggie we have. But you have all kinds of other influences. He's saying if the church did its job, the government would have to stand back and take notice. And things like abortion and same-sex marriage they would go wow we can't do that we'll, we'll we'll be really on bad ground because the church says hey these things are wrong but no the church has been silent in so many different ways they've capitulated and said well we don't want to offend anybody so we'll just go along with it no that's not our job our job is to have An influence. As individual Christians, we vote. We don't vote as a church. We vote as individual Christians. But also, the Apostle Paul, writing to a young pastor who was in a church, his name was Timothy, he says, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. He said, Listen, as a church, as a pastor, lead your people in praying. And pray for who? All men, all people. But he doesn't stop there. For kings and all who are in authority. Oh, when's the last time you prayed for the government? The president, the legislature, the local council members. You know what? We have a responsibility. If we're going to do what we're supposed to do as a church and individual Christians, we need to do that. And he goes on to say, for kings who are uh, kings and all who are in authority, so we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. You want to be able to do what you should be doing as a Christian and do it with the relative ease? Pray for those who are in authority. And notice what he says at the end. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. He said, you want to know something? If you want to do what is good... Pray for people and pray for those in authority. If you don't, you're not doing what you should do as an individual Christian or a family or a church. Very seldom does a government pray. And then one last one, in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 4, it says this. The king gives stability to the land by justice, but a man who takes bribes overthrows it. Notice what he said. He said the king the government, the one who represents the government, the one at the head of the government. He gives stability to the country, to the land, and he does it by justice. We call that the rule of law, where the law is applied equally to all citizens. That's what's required. He said, but someone who takes a bribe, who allows money to blind their justice that person is going to overthrow the government. There's going to be a problem. When you look at all of these things, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm just saying, look at these things and act accordingly. We haven't even gotten started yet. Because in Romans chapter 13, it's the passage we normally go to uh, first when we talk about government. It is very clear the government has a role. And that's going to be what I will call law and order. You'll see that in a minute. But it says in verse 3 of Romans chapter 13, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. They're there because there are evil people. Remember, government was put in place because man's heart was continually evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. You know what? They have an authority. Why? Why? For it is a minister of God to you for good. A lot of times we like to make government the bad guy. God says, no way. I gave it for a good reason. It's for your good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is, and we say it again, a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Government is there because they have the power of the sword, they have the power of justice, and they can deal with the external restraints that come from people not acting in a moral, ethical way, which the church is supposed to proclaim. So if you believe that government is to provide law and order, great, because that's what the scripture says. It says in numerous different ways. If you believe the government is to provide peace and safety and security for all, great. That's what you should do. If you believe that the government is to hold evil and irresponsible people accountable and regulate their external behavior, great. Because what was the government given? To Give a safe environment, a platform by which you can raise your family in peace and security, by which the church can minister and reach out in peace and safety and security. The government is supposed to do that. Families don't have the power of the sword and neither is a church or incarceration or judgment. We don't have that. That's given to the government and they need to do what God asked them to do. You might remember I said in Genesis chapter 9, it says this in verse 6, Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. God said, man is valuable. Human life is sacred. It's valuable. It is not to be tampered with out of hate or just vengeance or whatever else it is you premeditatedly take someone else's life, you are to forfeit your life. That's never been changed, by the way, under law or even in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul said, if I've done anything worthy of death, let me die. You know what? It's always been true because it's the ultimate deterrent to people doing evil. If you believe the government is to provide a level playing field for all, great because guess what it is the king who brings stability and brings justice if you expect for the government to provide everything for you and your family think again that's socialism the bible doesn't teach that it teaches personal responsibility parents are to provide for their children and for themselves doesn't mean government never helps it does But primarily, that's not the job of a government. God doesn't authorize governments to do whatever they wish. He doesn't, for example, give them the authority to redefine certain concepts. He's already defined them. The church has proclaimed them, and individuals, Christians, know these things. The government doesn't get The authority to redefine what sexuality is, or what value human life has, or what a marriage or a family is. God's already defined them long before government existed. If you think that the church controls the government, think again that's been tried. It's like an unequal yoke uh, in a marriage, a uh, believer and unbeliever. It doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work here either because we as a church live at a higher standard than the government ever will. Remember, remember history? The Holy Roman Empire controlled by the Roman church didn't work very well. In fact, it was oppressive. Even if you want to get outside of Christianity, the countries where Islamic uh, uh, rulers, rule the political system, it's oppressive. It's always been that way. If you believe that individuals and family can make their own rules and do as they please, think again. That's simply anarchy. Because God gave order, and He expects order to be carried out. In fact, there's another passage in First. Peter chapter 2 verse 13. Submit yourselves, notice this, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority, we have already seen that, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. But usually we stop right there. But I challenge you to go to the next verse. For such is the the will of God. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? One of them is to submit to human institutions. It's the will of God. That by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. You can say all you want, and you can say, I'm a Christian and I do this. But you know what? If you are a rebel and an anarchist, and you just are always against everything going on around you, you got got lousy testimony. He says actually, when you are doing what is right, you're doing the will of God, it actually stops the mouth of those who are anti-Christ, anti-Christian, anti-church, anti, you know, you name it. You know why? Because they can't bring a charge against you. Think about that. That's really important. If you believe government can change the hearts, the attitudes, of people, about hate and prejudice and morals. Think again. Government cannot do that. Never has been able to do that. All it can do is if somebody is prejudiced and they do some kind of dastardly thing, they can hold you accountable for it. But they can't change the heart and the mind. Guess who God gave that to? He gave it to the church. We are to proclaim God's perfect will. And that'll never be the government never even was under the law in the Old Testament. If you believe that the government can substitute for family or the church, think again. That is not their role. If you believe that all personal and religious convictions should be out of government, think again. We're in the middle of that one, folks. This lady can't be on the Supreme Court because she's a Catholic and she's anti-abortion. We couldn't ever have that. You can't have somebody that has convictions. Now, I'm not a big fan of the Catholic Church, but i got to give it, at least in that point, they've got it right. Abortion is wrong. It's the taking of an innocent human life from conception and to natural death well, you can't have religious convictions if you're going to be a part of the government. You know how much baloney that is? You know how wrong and how goofed up that is? I propose to you this. Think it through. Every single person has religious convictions. I didn't say Christian or biblical convictions, but they have religious convictions. You say, but what about atheists? They make... Very religious statements. There is no God. That's a religious statement, folks. Guy calls him a fool, but it's a religious statement. Think about this. If you said, well, you can't have a biblical standard in your life, if you want to be in political life or a political position of authority, guess what? You're saying you can't have a biblical standard, but you can have this other religious standard. That's the way it works. fact is, folks, we have lived in a a secular humanist society for quite a while now. If you want to know what the religion of the United States government is, it's not Christianity. It is getting washed out. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I'm running out of time. But the point is, we're secular humanists. We're saying you can't be a person of faith is what they call it. I don't like that term, but a person of faith and, and be in government because you'll have too much influence. No. Every person in government has religious convictions, including atheists. They do. In fact is, almost every rule Every law, every regulation that's in government has come from a religious source. Now, praise the Lord, a lot of ours, and it's getting washed out, but a lot of ours come from this book, from the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, and they do. But let's face it, almost every world religion says murder is wrong, stealing is wrong, lying to somebody or slandering somebody is wrong. They all say those things. I believe this is the ultimate authority. But guess what? We need to understand that regulations as a whole don't come from the govern- government, don't come from the people governed. It comes ultimately from God and His Word. Anytime we get away from that, the country's getting in big trouble. In regard to individuals and families, The passage I would turn to is Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, the the end of 5. There it makes it clear, it quotes from the Old Testament and says, a man shall leave his father and mother cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. A man and a woman in one relationship, they're one, inseparable, working together, equal in value with different positions. Oh, and From that position, they are to raise children who are to honor and obey their parents. And the fathers are tasked with not provoking their children to anger, but bringing up them in the nurture and instruction of the Lord. That's the family that is supposed to provide that. Doesn't mean the church can't help. Doesn't mean the government can't help. But ultimately, parents need to make those decisions. We need to keep that in mind. No one institution is a substitute for the other. In regard to the church, Jesus said, and I already mentioned this, in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I give to you the keys of the kingdom. And it goes on to say a whole lot of other things. But Jesus said, I am giving you the authority to worship and to preach and to minister. And you need to speak up. This is not about what's legal and illegal. You know what? I despise that Pennsylvania legalized marijuana. It's legal. But I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I guess it's legal. I guess I, guess I have to change my view. No. Any mind-altering substance, I don't care if it's alcohol, marijuana, or whatever it is, not a good thing. And I'm going to stand up here and tell you that. I've done it before. I'm going to stand, they may say, two people of the same sex can get married, and I'm going to stand up here and tell you that is not marriage. Fact is, have you followed the news? I've normally, uh, in some of these moral issues, uh, sorry, I don't know why the Catholic Church came up, I guess because they're so big and pervasive but usually in things like abortion and, and marriage and stuff like that, I'm going, well, I don't agree with some of their theology, but at least they got this right. The Pope came out and said same-sex unions are okay. Did you hear that? If you don't believe me, go look it up. It's there. You know what his excuse was? Well, we're all children of God. That's exactly what it said. But it is that's ridiculous. The church is to have something that's above, we should stand for what is moral, what is ethical, what is right and wrong. We should say, this is right and this is sin. We should say, this is moral and this is immoral. We should say, without Christ, you don't have salvation. With Christ, you have salvation. We need to have a platform. And so far, we still do. A platform that's way above government, way above individual families or individuals. We need to proclaim the truth. We are the pillar and support of the truth. Sorry, folks, but the church as a whole has failed. They've said, well, you know, we're not sure if abortion's really wrong. We'll accept homosexuality as normal, transgender, oh, that's not so bad. Yeah, we, we have just really messed it up. Oh, and by the way, we're not sure how you get saved. Yeah, you need to trust Jesus, but maybe you ought to do some other things. You know what? Let's face it, we need to take a stand, folks. And we need to let it be seen in everything we do. Time for conclusions. I got two minutes left for the conclusions. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But anyway, all but God fail and fail miserably in their role and position. We need to remain separate. We have to carry out the authority that God gives us in family, church, and government. On the other hand, they were all given by God, and they are all in a perfect world to work together in a cooperative way. I pray that we would look for that, because we can always point to somebody else and say they're wrong. All of us live in a multifaceted world. All of you are a part of a family. All of you are, you're at Garden Chapel, so you're part of a church somewhere. And you all live in a society that has a government. Guess what? You answer in a whole bunch of different ways. And sometimes there's tension. We need to make sure that we keep our focus clear on all of these things. And sometimes that is not an easy thing. That's why I'll never tell somebody how to vote because I don't care what candidate you tell me that you're voting for, I can tell you something bad about them. Can also, <clears throat> I can also tell you something probably good about them. The point is, if you don't use your influence, uh, you've wasted what God has allowed you to have. Every one of these things. I believe the family is a very sovereign unit as well as the church. But guess what? If the church allows sexual abuse to go on, the government has to step in. Because why? They're here to protect all human life and provide justice. That's the way it is. If the government is wrong, you and I have to stand up and say, you guys are wrong. We need to do that. It goes in all directions. what should I do? I believe we have a clear mandate that we need to take a stand and use our influence for the candidate, the party, the legislation, the ballot measures, whatever it is that most aligns with what we know to be true from the Bible. Is the government stepping on the church? That's a problem. Is it trying to usurp the authority of the family? That's a problem. Is the government trying to, you know, do things that are immoral? I need to look at that and say, that's a problem, and I need to vote accordingly. Remember, I said, not, I'm not telling you who to vote for. How? We need to vote by principles. Both the church and the state, we are to exercise righteousness by the way, if you're going by the rule of law, you're saying there's right and wrong externally. The church says, oh, it goes further than that. It's, what do you think? What's in your heart? What do you say? We have a big responsibility. And I believe as Christians, sometimes we have allowed ourselves to just sit there and go, you know what, this world is so messed up and everybody is crooked and they all are taking bribes and and this and that and I don't like this bribes personality and I don't like this and I don't like that and so I'm just going to do nothing. I would rather you went and voted and voted the opposite of what I would encourage you to vote. By the way, I'm not going to tell you who I vote for. But if you're not using that, you haven't used your influence. Most of the world would give their right arm to have the privilege you have. And I encourage you to use it and use it in a thoughtful way, not emotional reactions, not what somebody else thinks or what you think somebody else wants you to do. But you go home and pray about it and have that influence. Make sure you take care of your family. Make sure that you are a part of what the church is doing and what we're supposed to do. Do you know what? You have an influence in the government. By the way, if somebody wants to run for some offices, I'm behind you. You want to be involved in government? I'm behind you. Because guess what? You can be a very powerful force for good, because God's not against it, even though right now a lot of people are. Uh, You know, God wants us to use everything He's given us in the family, in the church, and in the government for our good and His glory. Let's all stand together. Father, thank You so much that You knew exactly what this world is going to be like. And You have given individuals to nurture and to foster relationship. You've given the church to proclaim truth, the gospel, moral right and wrong. And you have given the government to provide civilization where people from all directions, all thought patterns can coexist and work together in a harmonious way. Lord, I pray that we would think these things through, not only as we vote, but as we live, that we would use what you have given us for our good, and the good of those around us, and for the glory of God, because indeed He is the King Eternal who everyone and every institution answers to. Lord, thank you so much for reminding us of that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Go with God and vote.